Wine Monk Arizona Wine Podcast by Cody Vladimir Burkett. And now for something a little different. Good, whatever the heck time of day it is, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Arizona Wine Monk. Uh, I'm here with Project Mayhem founder Gary Kurtz. Hi. Uh, He's also the founder of Greater Than Wines and my most wonderful, awesome, favorite asshole in the world. I do my darndest. (laughs) I say that, of course, with full love. Today we are going to do something very different, because we couldn't decide on a wine, but we were both kind of craving gin cocktails. So, what we did is we chose three gin cocktails. Good name for a band, actually. And it's too close to the gin berries. Yeah, I guess. Uh, So what we're doing is we're doing three gin cocktails. Uh, the nucleus of these cocktails is the Mount Lemon Gin uh, from Three Wells Distilling Company in Tucson. Uh, to read the back, an 1881 pioneering botanist Sarah Plummer Lemon trekked to the top of Mount Lemon upon foot and horseback. It is with that adventurous spirit that Three Wells Distilling created our Mount Lemon Gin. Crafted from alligator juniper berries from the Santa Catalina Mountains, along with a blend of other indigenous and Arizona-grown botanicals, our unique gin brings the spirit of Arizona alive in every place. So anyway, we started with a martini? Yep. So that, I know this sounds kind of close, but I'm not a huge... That's not true. I like some cocktails very much. I've had martini once or twice, but... Um, I don't know my cocktails very well, and so this is a way that I can begin to learn them. So, Gary, what goes into a martini? Uh, so this is a classic dry martini. There's a bunch of gin, a splash of vermouth, uh, white vermouth, not sweet vermouth, stirred over ice for a good little while, and then strained into a chilled glass with an olive. Why an olive? It's tradition. Tradition. Uh, you could also substitute a lemon peel, but today I was feeling the olive. This reminds me of a joke. Um, the Roman legionnaire walks up to a barkeep and says, I'll have a martinez, or a martinez. And the barkeep says, don't you mean a martini? And then the Roman soldiers, don't be silly. If I wanted more than one, I would have said so. <laughs> nice. So I don't know the history of the martini, and because I may... Gary will have much nicer, or much less nice words to say here. So I will let him. I will let him say it for me. Moron. I'm just gonna think like pompous needs to know everything asshole, but moron works too. Because I don't know the history of the martini. Why well, use five words and one will do? <laughs> There's a lot of debate over the uh, history of the martini, so you'll have. Uh, not a lot of like sound history to go on. There's a lot of hearsay and like, oh, some people say it was invented in Manhattan and some people say it was invented in San Francisco and yeah. H. L. Menikin called the martini, quote, the only American invention as perfect as the sonnet. And E. B. White called it the elixir of quietude. Hemingway said in a farewell to arms I never tasted something so cool and clean. It made me feel civilized. Oh, wow, this does taste clean. I'm... So, I hate to say this, but so far I'm not a fan of this gin. It tastes better than it smells. Um, but it kind of smells like cleaning fluid. Which is unfortunate, because I go ape shit over some gin. I mean, well, probably because I'm not as familiar with gin and perhaps my palate is not trained, uh, adore this gin, but also 
it's one of only three gins that I've been able to find that were actually made in Arizona, especially from Arizona Botanicals. And those, some of you listeners know this. Um, what I'm hoping to do over the next year slash year and a half was to build up an Arizona Spirits liquor cabinet. Because uh, my wine cellar is decently sized. Waiting for your wise-ass remark. I think I'm going to hold my tongue on this one. Gary's pretty much like, there's wine in here. Of course there's wine everywhere. Pretty much all, all afternoon. Uh, we were moving my futon out to the deck to find a nice sitting area and then moving an actual mattress into uh, my apartment. But anyway, um, I really dig uh, the idea of Arizona made, drinking local, eating local, everything as local as I can and as I can afford. So, you know, I could build a nice liquor cabinet for $100. That, that would be tolerable, but, you know, I'd rather have it decent and and, and local. So... I found this gin. This gin was the first edition. The second edition was from also Three Wells. Um, as much as I hate Walmart, I have to say thank you, Walmart, uh, for having these there for a few bucks cheaper than anywhere else. Um, their Sonora spirit made from sugarcane and prickly pear, which I kind of got to put in my Easter basket for Bess because she likes rum a hell of a lot more than I do. And I fully honestly don't expect to like that, but it's required, and she likes rum more than she likes gin, so assuming she doesn't ditch me anytime soon, i got to keep the happy and keep at peace. And keep Wow. Keep the happy. Keep the happy. Keep the happy, listeners. Sorry. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I'm going to read from the website because it actually goes into detail which botanicals they used. Because I am a geek like that. What don't you like about it? The nose is very... Um, uh, how's the right way to say this? It's uh, It's like it wasn't properly distilled. But who am I to talk because I'm not a distiller. I'm a winemaker and an asshole. We need Rose. She would know. I mean, she, she would. She doesn't know distilling gin, at least not yet. Well, she's probably done research. She's but just, she knows distilling base spirits. But she knows distilling base spirits better than anyone else, I think, any Absolutely. of us know. So Absolutely. she would be able to know if this was improperly distilled or not. But there's a, there's a note on the nose that's kind of like chemically, which should not be there. But once I can get over myself and and uh, once I can get once I can get over myself and taste it, it tastes great. I just don't love that nose, which is a problem with a martini because but a martini is more or less alcohol and diluted ice, so you're gonna taste and smell everything. There's nothing to hide behind. So you gotta you gotta do something well if you're gonna do this, and I don't think this is the optimal choice for a martini. But once I get over myself and taste it, as opposed to just smelling it, it's not bad at all. Um, for me, the the nose that I'm thinking you're thinking may be chemical is creosote, because that's something I do get, and I know that's one of the botanicals that was used. Perhaps it could be. Uh, I'm not too familiar with creosote um. as an ingredient. Um, so it has juniper berries from Mount Lemon, juniper tips, specifically alligator juniper, uh, also from Mount Lemon, lemon rinds, which are not from Mount Lemon because you can't grow lemons at 8,000 feet. They could grow them at the base of Mount Lemon. This is true. But uh, they're probably Arizona lemons because there's a shit ton of citrus. It is one of our five C's. As I remember from uh, fourth grade civics class, back when they sort of still taught how the government worked and stopped shortly thereafter. Because why should we know how the government works? Anyway. Five um, C's of Arizona. Copper, citrus, cotton, cattle. Cock sucking. I said copper. Um, copper. 
citrus, cotton. I can't remember what the fifth C is. So we're going to say Kunwaz. Or cocksucking. Eh. Um, creosote. Um, I said creosote already. I said it twice. I've said it a lot. I like creosote. It's a fun smell. And uh, chili pipkin. Uh, tiny spicy little um, peppers. Those are good. I like them. Didn't you grow them last year? I did not. In the community garden, or what were those peppers? I grew shishitos. Shishitos, that's right. And I tried to grow Carolina Reaper, but it didn't take. Is um, Lisa going to try again this year? Yes. Because that would be fun. Absolutely. We would. will make our own hot sauce. Or just cook them up and try to eat them raw for bravado purposes. Yeah, I'm not there. I did see an idiot online who smoked or attempted to smoke a uh, Carolina Reaper. Actually, he did smoke it, and then he vomited. And like, like actually smoke it, like lighting it as a cigarette and inhaling, or smoke it like over a barbecue pit. He smoked it in a. Uh, see, I'm not a stoner, so what are they called? Bongs. At the smoke shops, they call them water pipes. Um, yeah, those, one of those, he, he smoked it, took it into his lungs, and uh, oh God. thought he was going to die. Hilariously entertaining, but uh, yeah. Climate, by the way, is the fifth C. Climate, okay. Today is a damn nice day, except for the wind. Yeah, oh. <laughs> and the allergies. No die. <sighs> Fucking allergies. Anyway, I, I kind of like this. It's not my favorite cocktail. I like a gin and tonic more. I love a martini. It's one of my go-tos. Um, so much so that I will keep backups of all the ingredients on hand. If I start to run low on a bottle of vermouth, I'll get another one. Uh, if I don't have lemons or olives, I will go to a local store after I'm done the vineyard or the winery and pick some up uh, and just to make sure I have them on hand because a martini is my go-to. One martini at the end of the day is like a fantastic signal that the workday is done. But then again, my workday is almost never done, so it's really like, all right, this is a signal that my workday is going to take a break for a couple hours, and then I'll get back at it on online working on paperwork. Yay, paperwork. Shoot me now. Um, so I know this tells me, this reminds me, rather, of the story when we ran around all of Wilcox trying to find mint. Yes, we did. <laughs> We ended up in the Aridus tasting room, uh, where Lisa, was it Lisa? I don't know. I wasn't Leah. There. Leah was kind enough to, to give us some lavender, because uh, that was the closest thing we could find. Which does not make a good julep, but it does make a good uh, addition to a lemon simple syrup for a kind of bastardized whiskey sour. And so... What we did is, he made it into into the simple syrup. We got some Maker's Mark. I think it was Maker's Mark that we got. I think it was Wild Turkey 101. Could have been Wild Turkey. Because I remember being a little bit stronger than usual. I don't know, one of the two. Good bourbon, regardless. Uh, so a good, decently priced bourbon. And uh, proceeded to make this as a whiskey sour-esque type thing. We didn't know what to name it. And so we just, because they went down really smooth. Um, so we ended up deciding to call it Tarantula Hawk. Because it's docile on the front end, but oh boy, will it sting you. Yeah, if you're not careful. I think we both, well, I definitely woke up the next morning with a little bit of a headache. Yep. I don't know about you, but. Yep. I told Rose that when she does her bourbon, and they release it in the taste room, and if they do cocktails, she needs to do that with her lavender liqueur. Yes. And just put sprigs of lavender in it. 
because I think that that would be amazing. That would be lovely. So, um, as I've mentioned to you, um, one of the things that uh, Bess is going to get for our duck slash harassment of Bess slash Cards Against Humanity thing is local vermouth. Yes. So we will be able to make a vermouth with um, ingredients that are close to where each person is from, more or less, which is going to be fun. Indeed. Or horrifying, either or. Either or. It'll be interesting to see how that vermouth is compared to this. Do you know how they make vermouth? It's basically fortified, aromatized wine. What do you mean? What do you mean by aromatized? Um, just added botanicals and aromatics to give it some more uh, flavor. Seems like something would be feasible for a lot of people to actually do. Absolutely. Why aren't more people doing it? So there's not a huge market for it. Uh, the only people who really care about getting good vermouth are the folks who want to have really, really well-made cocktails, and they've probably already got their vermouth of choice picked out, and you don't really go through a lot of it. But on the bright side, that means that you can make it one year, not have to make it for another four or five years. Very true. No, that'd be might be worth experimenting with. Maybe if you have any leftover whites this year, uh, you could make a little bit, perhaps, just for you and I, because that would be fun. Mm -hmm. Also, fun fact: red vermouth is not made with red grapes; it's made with white grapes. Uh, the red is coloring, um, which comes from the addition of sweeteners, generally caramelized sugar. Uh, and it's not really all that red, it's more of a brown. Makes sense. Because if caramel is more of a brown color, then why would it be? All right, finish that martini so we can move on to the next one. Yes, sir. What is the next? G&T or Tom Collins? I say we finish with G&T. All right, I'll go grab the stuff to make... Because I don't know uh, Tom Collins. So, hold on, guys. I'm going to pause this, and we're going to follow Gary into the kitchen, where he's going to make us a Tom Collins and walk us through the pasta. I don't know how to make any of this stuff. I a little bit easier, I think. That's true. Space is of a premium. I'll leave the dog out here. All right. I'm going to grab all this crap off. Actually, the most important, in, the most important ingredient in a cocktail would be ice. All right, Tom Collins. Now I want to know. I've only made this one a couple of times, so let's see how it goes. Mix it in one of these glasses and split it in half between the two, and then fill them with ice. So, one part simple syrup. 
Oh, so I guess it is not actually made by that song called originally. It was made. What 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 does what Collins make? Or who is Collins? What do you mean? I don't know. But I'm adding one part lemon juice to that one part of simple syrup. Basically, you take your simple syrup and you double it up with lemon juice. And then you take the gin and you double up what you've already got. Barkeeps down south at TJ's and see if they pick up on it. I'm sure they will, they're good. And then top each glass with seltzer water, give it a quick stir. And there you have it. This looks like a very pale lemonade. Okay, apparently the Collins Collins is very, very old, dating back to around the 1860s in England, and then later got transferred to America. Olaf! Olaf! Oh, wow, this smells It tastes like a lemonade. Wow. Holy shit. This is refreshing as hell. I saw a cocktail guide online on the three essential cocktails for every man to know. And it said you have to have a cocktail for your boys, for your dad, and for your lady. And for your boys, you're making old fashions. Makes sense. For your dad, you're making a Manhattan, which is one of my go-to cocktails. And then will not work for my dad because he does not do drinking. But mm -hmm. I can I can also see it's a good staple. Not many people complain about it. And then for your lady, the Tom Collins. I don't know that this would like this, but no, actually, haha, <laughs> that's that's bullshit. I know she would. <laughs> this tastes fucking amazing. Did it ever occur to you that when this whole machismo about girly drinks versus guy drinks? beer versus cocktails is hilarious. It really is. Well, no, I'm going to have a manly beer, which is, you know, 8 to 10% alcohol if you're lucky. And, you know, then you have the cocktails, the, the pretty go fruity, pretty beautiful cocktails that are like, you know, this is about half booze, if not more. Actually, what you got there, once it's diluted out, is about the same amount of alcohol as a beer. Beer, a glass of beer, a cocktail, a glass of wine, all in general, there are exceptions that prove this rule, but in general, have the same amount of alcohol in them. Hmm. And yes, there are exceptions. Like when I make a Manhattan, it's basically a glass of whiskey 
with a good bit of red vermouth on top and not, I don't dilute it first and then pour it over ice. I pour it over ice and let it dilute over the time I take to drink it uh, and some bitters in there as well. Um, Which bitters do you use? I currently have four bitters in my motorhome. Uh, they are? They are your Angostura because no bar is complete without Angostura bitters. Agreed. I have Peugeot's bitters because I don't use them very often, but when a recipe calls for them, there really is no substitute. I have some homemade orange bitters, or orange coffee bitters, actually, that are quite fun in uh, whiskey drinks. And then I have some bitters from one of James's friends out in California, and I forget the name of their company. I'll have to look it up and send it to you so you can plug them. Uh, but they are cacao and flour bitters that flour are Flour as in flowers that bloom or flour as in flour that you use to make bread? As in flowers that bloom. Oh. And they are amazing. They're so good. <laughs> when the guy gave me the bottle, because uh, I met him out at James's place, the guy gave me the bottle and goes, these are great. You take a dropper full of them on your tongue and you'll taste flowers all day. It's the best time to go down on your lady. I'm sorry, I, I glazed over that. Say that again? <laughs> so you take a dropper full on your tongue and all you taste is flowers and cacao all day and it's the best time to go down on your lady. Okay. 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 Which has not received any complaints, so... Oh, God. We have now moved to rated R on this podcast rather than PG-13. I apologize to anyone who's listening who is, un well, if you're under 21, you shouldn't be listening to this anyway. Tough enough, Snowflake. But if there are any clergy listening to this, I am sorry. Again, I say, tough enough, Snowflake. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I know there's a local company making bitters in either um, Phoenix or Tucson. I've seen them mentioned in uh, Arizona Wines and Vines. But uh, bitters is something I do lack in my stash right now. Bitters can make or break a cocktail. And, and clearly I enjoy mixing drinks more than you do. Well, but because I don't have that knowledge base. Um, I would probably enjoy cocktails more if I knew more about them. I've enjoyed the two that we've had so far. So One of my favorite things to do for myself or for a couple of guests is to mix up cocktails when they're visiting um, because it's fun. You get to be a little bit more creative with it versus saying, like, oh, let's open this bottle of wine that someone else made or that I made and that we can't really do anything with. Uh, it's like, here, let me express my personality a little bit to you in this drink that I am crafting out of ingredients that I personally selected and with techniques that I have honed over 10 years. Uh, and the great thing about buying all the equipment you need for a good bar setup is, like, I bought my two-piece metal Boston shaker on Amazon for 10 or 15 bucks. My bar spoon was two or three bucks. I have a shot glass I use for measuring that I don't actually use very often because I've got a feel for how things pour and how much is in there. And glasses, which I get really anywhere. Just cheap glasses. My favorite cocktail glasses for most drinks, actually, used to be candles. Only the glasses that are left over after the candle is done. Oh. I boiled out all the wax and cleaned them up real good. And they're the perfect size for a respectably sized cocktail, not like eight ounces or ten ounces of liquid. It's a nice five, five to six ounce thing. Hmm. So, yeah, 20 bucks, and I've got everything I need. Oh, that is going to be something I need to gather soon for all these things. Another great quote. Um, the origin of the Tom Collins remains to be established. The historians of alcoholism, which is a great name for a band, 
like the philologists, have neglected them. But the essentially American character of this and other drinks is obvious, despite the fact that a number have gone over into English. The English, in naming their drinks, commonly display a far more limited imagination. Seeking a name, for example, for a mixture of whiskey and soda water, the best they could achieve was whiskey and soda. The Americans, introduced to the same drink at once, gave it the far more original name of Highball. God bless the USA. Here, here. Click. Even Prohibition couldn't keep us down for very long. Right. This is nice. It is super this refreshing. Is really refreshing. Holy shit. I'm actually going to pull out the Kurt Vonnegut quote that I normally don't pull out unless something is, like, absolutely fucking perfect. This is a nice... I don't know what is. There you go. Oh, I should have brought my book, What the Fuck Should I Drink Up Today? Oh, that book is great, guys. The bit on the bottom of the page of another drink that leads you to the Tom Collins, because they don't just say, like, all right, here's this drink on this page, and that's it. At the bottom, it's like, if you don't like this, and you want to do this, go to page whatever. And I don't remember what the page or what the drink on the page originally was, what it was, if you don't like this and you want to convince a Mormon to play just the tip, <laughs> try a Tom Collins. <laughs> oh, shit. That's right. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> ah. Moving this futon outside was a really good damn idea. Indeed. How's your drink? Should I finish mine up? Uh, I've still got a little bit. Shit. You're rocking this fast, faster than I am. It's really fucking good. <laughs> you also don't have to drive anywhere today. This is true. I'm going to have to walk around town to sober up. Well, remember, I was going to join you at Caduceus. True. Because you haven't tasted there in a while. Uh, I have not. And I can swish and spit up there. This is true. I probably won't, but... You don't have to drive anywhere. Exactly! And then I'm going to go down to that and hang out with Joey again, because he's, he's about to leave, which it's is sad. He's Michigan. Um, and then I'm going to go home. I should have brought a growler with me. Oh, well. I've got one. I might borrow it from you. It probably needs to be washed out, but we can do that. Oh, I can make sure it happens there. I've got, actually, I think I have two growlers. I have one for coffee at, uh, at uh, Cartel. Yes, they put cold brew coffee in growlers there. It is fucking amazing. I believe it. Modern times, the beer that everyone in Arizona who cares about beer has been going apeshit over recently because they just started distributing out here, um, even though the beer is really okay. Um, it's not fantastic, it's not great, it's not terrible. Um, I don't generally think it's worth the prices asked, but it's good enough. Um, they brew cold brew coffee and put it in cans, the like standard 355 milliliter cans, and holy shit, that stuff is good. In with the beer? No, just straight up cold brew coffee, non-alcoholic, and it packs a punch. It's good, strong, cold brew coffee. Um, it's not cheap. But some days, nothing else will do. This is very true. But anyway, they put the cold, co the, the cold brew coffee in growlers, or the, rather, they offer the option. So normally, whenever I'm working Scottsdale... Um, it's not the 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 tasting there. I will get a growler of coffee, which I didn't do the last time I was there. Most people forgot the growler. I could probably do that when you're right, and I'm going to need it for when Beth comes out for all of you because it's holy week. And if you're not drinking, you need fucking IVs of coffee to get through holy week. 
Because it's church, sleep, church, sleep, church, sleep, church, 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 sleep, 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 church, sleep, church, sleep, church, sleep. Give me your glass. What? Give me your glass. I want to be deluded by a little bit of some um, um, columns that's left there. But it's not going to matter with the strength of the ingredients in the Also, Olaf likes ice cubes, so any of them that fall, he does. Olaf, by the way, for those who are keeping track at home, and uh, Gary's vineyard dog. And winery dog, and our dog, and gopher hunter, and rabbit hunter. Um, cleaner up of the remnants after I have cleaned and butchered an animal. Um, just all around good guy to have around. Question for you: Has you cooked the rabbits that you brought in? I cooked one of them, and it was very good. We didn't get it. Uh, the owner of my vineyard, the IME thing, his kids were down for a weekend with him, and they shot a rabbit. And so, me being me, I cleaned it butchered it, and cooked it, but we didn't get the rabbit until about 6.30 that night. So we didn't have a lot of time. We cooked it for about an hour and a half, so that was as long as we could really go. Uh, I still have the one they caught the second day in my freezer, though, and I'm going to braise that one with some red wine and some onions and just really good things in general. Sixteen cloves of garlic. Holy shit, that sounds amazing. According also, that's going to be beautiful with your red. It will be. And, yeah, braise it in red wine with sixteen cloves of garlic, onions, all kinds of delicious stuff for a few hours. So, what is... Sorry, I distracted you. Tell me, what are you doing for our listeners? I am mixing up a gin and tonic. Which is gin, lime juice, haha, <laughs> trick yes, and tonic water. And it's fucking brilliant. You know it's British because it has a very unoriginal name. Indeed. And a theory that I personally have about the gin and tonic is that it's connected to colonialism in tropical regions because, of course, as you. That is not. Just, well, that's not a theory anymore. It's a lie. It's oh, that's good. Drink your tonic water because it's got quinine in it and you don't want malaria. And apparently the British are wusses. I can say this because they dated someone who was British. That's true. And they don't want to drink their tonic water. Oh, well, we can make up enough line afterwards. This is true. Oh, darn. I'd have to drink another Tom Collins. Oh, darn. That sounds terrible. Oh. So, anyway, I'm going to let uh, Gary talk to you about gin and tonic. So, the bark of the Cinchinoa tree contains a alkaloid, an alkaloid, called quinine, which is incredibly bitter, but also pretty much the best treatment for malaria and the best preventative for malaria. Even with modern medicine, it's still the best. It's still the gold standard for malaria treatments. Uh, So in British colonial days, the British troops were required to take quinine in uh, tropical humid environments where mosquitoes that carry malaria thrive. And the British, being the whiny little bastards they are, agreed. Love you, British. Love Top Gear. Love the Grand Tour. Uh, love British television and British comedy. Uh, no hate here. But being the whiny little bastards that you are, uh, wouldn't take their quinine unless they mixed it with booze, and thus the gin and tonic was born. And it works. It's good stuff. 
it'll keep you from getting malaria. And fun yeah. fact, there's a there's an old local down in southern Arizona where I live who comes into the bar, which is the only bar and the only restaurant in town, so it's really the hub of social activity in Sun Sites. And he walks into the bar, and the bartender, doesn't matter which bartender it is, says, you having a beer today or you got malaria? <laughs> Basically, do you want your beer or do you want a gin and tonic? <laughs> fucking awesome. Life goals right there. Oh, fucking read. But even though I now know it is slightly inaccurate, that whole Persephone as like the goddess of springtime and flowers and probably wears pastels and sundresses and is also the queen of hell, like, if those aren't life goals, then I don't know what is. Like, I just want to be the local at that bullshit dive bar in the middle of nowhere. Oh, bullshit dive bar. It's a damn good dive bar. It's a fucking amazing dive bar. But if you ask the bartenders for avocado, like a buddy of mine did, they'll say, we're a bullshit dive bar in the middle of nowhere in Arizona. No, we don't have avocados. <laughs> so why do they need an avocado? A buddy of mine wanted it on his burger. Why would you sell your burger with avocado? Because it's fucking good. That being said, I did have a GBLT the other day. Mm -hmm. A guacamole, bacon, lettuce, and tomato. For GBLT Awareness Day. <laughs> I managed to get away with that just because Beth is, has by leanings, and she's like... <laughs> I hate you, but that is fucking hysterical, and now I'm hungry and want one. <laughs> I love it. I'm so going to use that. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so going to use that. I'm going to use that at TJ's. Like, can you guys get avocados just so I can make this joke, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, this is interesting. So if you get your gin and tonic at a bar in America, it may not actually have quinine. Correct. Uh, in some countries, e.g. UK, gin and tonic is marketed pre-mixed in single-serving cans. In the United States, most barter, ba bars... Thank you, Gary. Anytime. Most bars use soda out of a gun that in no way, shape, or form resembles quinine water, according to bartender Dale DeGroff. To get a real gin and tonic, DeGroff recommends specifying bottled tonic. Ultimately, one can add tonic syrup to soda water. Which is, in my opinion, the way to do it. I have not done this yet. I am still sourcing ingredients for homemade tonic syrup. Ooh. Because if you look at the serving, the nutritional content on a bottle of Safeway tonic water, you will see that there are 38 grams of sugar in it. A can of Coca-Cola has 39 grams in it. I don't want that much sugar in my life. Yeah. So I pony up for the expensive tonic water when I can find it. Um, my favorite is Q. Fever Tree is also very good. Those have somewhere in the neighborhood of 68 grams of sugar per serving, but that's still more than I prefer. I want to make my own quinine syrup to mix with seltzer water because I want to make unsweetened gin and tonics and not like the bullshit stevia or aspartame diet tonic water sweetened stuff I want no sweetener in it and I want to see how it is and then adjust up from there instead of having to deal with what someone else thought was a good amount of sweet I need when you do that save some for me when I get down there of course 
the only other gins that I know of in Arizona that are made from, let me rephrase this, made in Arizona, from Arizona ingredients, um, Kenyan Diablo did back in the day. And you can find bottles of that floating around in a few places here and there. Uh, case in point, uh, actually, um, I'm pointing down the hill. You cannot see this, uh, listeners. Top shelf? Yes, thank you. I can't bring because alcohol. Yay! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this is what it's like to be happy. <laughs> anyway, um, Top Shelf has a. <laughs> no die. Mm. Few bottles left. Um, I think it's from Canyon Diablo, but either way, it is definitely made with Arizona Botanicals. Um, it might not be Arizona gin. It might have been soaked in Arizona Botanicals, but it's better than nothing. And I want to say the Commerce Gin from Arizona Distilling Company in Scottsdale. While their whiskey is not Arizona made, it's made in Illinois and brought over. The gin and vodka are Arizona ingredients, apparently. Fun fact about that distillery in Illinois. Uh, damn near any rye whiskey you buy in the country that is 98% rye, which includes bullet rye and high west rye. I think high west was still using them last I checked. Um, a handful of others. It's all bulk shit that is produced by this place in Illinois and barreled according to the customer preference, customer being the bottling facility, sold in bulk to the bottling facility, case in point, Bullet or High West. I, I don't know whether some butte in Arizona is doing the same thing or not, but I'm assuming they are. If it's from Illinois? I don't know. I haven't looked at the back of their bottle yet. If you look on the back and it says, Produced and bottled in Illinois, or produced in Illinois, bottled in Arizona, or whatever. Or ultimately like bottled that. in Arizona. Yeah, or just bottled in Arizona. It was produced at this distillery in Illinois, and I have nothing against it. They make a good product, um, but I do have something against the folks who claim it to be a artisan thing from a specific area. Which, to their credit, High West and Bullet do not do. They admit that it's from Illinois on their bottles. And they say that it's not produced at their facility. Which I completely respect and I will still purchase those products. Yeah. I, I probably, when I am looking for a rye whiskey for my stash... I'm going to look for basically, because as far as I'm aware, no one is making a rye whiskey in Arizona. Give it time. You know, I, I need to ask Rose if she's willing to do that just for me. That's kind of an asshole thing to do. Yeah, can you just make me rye whiskey? I go in on that with you. Okay. Can you just make me and Gary rye whiskey? Rye whiskey makes the band sound better. Dry, rye whiskey what? Makes the band sound better. It's true. Makes your baby cuter, makes itself taste sweeter. Um, but rye thoughts aren't good thoughts, boys. I've ever told you about the time I. Okay, so now you're quoting a song that I don't know. I've played it for you before. Rye Whiskey by the Punch Brothers. I may well have been very drunk, and this is why I don't remember it. Oh, I'm pretty sure we had consumed the better part of a bottle of rye whiskey between us and Dave that night. Oh, yeah, that night. Huh. That night. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic song. Um, fun side note on that, Steve Martin, the comedian and actor, also is incredibly proficient at banjo. Atheists have no songs. Which is funny you say that, because that song actually doesn't have any instruments in it. Um, 
It is the song that I know from him the best. It is fantastic. Um, But he is damn good at what he does on that instrument. And he created a prize award system thing for artistry and excellence in bluegrass musicianship. And the first winner was the banjo player from the Punch Brothers. Really? Okay. And he presented this award on one of those bullshit late night comedy shows that has two two guests and a musical act at the end type thing. All of them do it. And I don't really watch any of them until they're on YouTube. And then I find the ones that people tell me to watch and I watch those. But so Steve Martin was there presenting this award to homeboy whose name I can't remember. And it's a hefty, hefty reward. Or, you know, reward, prize, whatever. And then they played dueling banjos. Oh, cool. Right there on, on the couches. And homeboy kicked Steve Martin's ass. And then... The Punch Brothers came up and sang Rye Whiskey with Steve Martin playing with them. Nice. And how freaking cool is that if you're uh, alt bluegrass music- musician to have one of the kings of comedy who is also a badass banjo player up on stage with you. How could I have forgotten the, the quote that is required for any discussion of gin and tonics? from Douglas Adams. I know what you're talking about, but I cannot remember it. To quote from Wikipedia, uh, the transgalactic nature of the gin and tonic is imagined in Douglas Adams' novel The Restaurant at the End of the Universe, which describes how, quote, 85% of all known worlds of the galaxy, be they primitive or highly advanced, have invented a drink called gin and tonics, or gin and tonics, or Janond and Onyx, or any of a thousand or more variations on the same phonetic theme. The drinks themselves are not the same, and vary between the Slavovian Chisenko Minix, which is ordinarily water, served at slightly above room temperature, and the Gargorakayan Zin Anthonikis, which kills cows at a thousand paces. <laughs> and in fact, the one common, common factor between all of them, beyond the fact that the names sound the same, is that they were invented and named before the worlds connected made contact with any other worlds. <laughs> so, as much as I loved Hitchhiker's Guide, the only time I read it, I was in college, I did not have the time for a series. And I got to the end of the book, and it just ended. And then I found out there were, like, what is it, four more books? Five. The aptly misnamed trilogy. The, or, as but, the, as the, but it's five total books. Yeah. So there and were four more aptly misnamed trilogy, as the, the marketing goes. So there were four more books after the one I read. I'm like, fuck this noise. I'm not reading it. And to this day, I have not read the rest of them. I will at some point, because... I freaking love Hitchhikers. It's one of the ten or so DVDs I have in my RV. Uh, because when I just want to not think about things and have a good, solid laugh while watching a science fiction movie, that's you really can't go wrong there. Uh, and it's got Martin Freeman and Zoe Deschanel. Both of which are awesome actors, and Zoe is pretty damn cute. Yeah. So is Martin. I guess. Did I take a picture of gin and tonic already? You did. Okay. Wow. You know you're the wine monk is tipsy when. And I still feel completely sober. But I hydrated like a son of a bitch this morning. To be fair, I probably would be much... Excuse me. Language. Words. Better off if I had not spent the better part of the morning in Hellmart... Because my car 
me had a flat tire. Now, I had the presence slash curse of mind to at one point back in the day have gotten my tire replacements there and to have gotten the warranty. Which is smart, because when you buy the road hazard and the warranty, they take the magnets out of your tires. Maybe they forgot to take the magnets out of yours. And that's why you keep getting so many flats. Maybe. Wait. Hold on. Tires have magnets? No, it's a joke. Oh. But it attracts the screws and the nails and the shit that pokes holes in your tires. And if you spend the money on the road hazard protection, they take those out. Shit. Yeah, I may be... too sloshed to do anything. Because if I bought that, and normally, as you know, I'm fairly skeptic about anything. Mm-hmm. Anyway. That is the one thing I always buy with tires. Unless I'm buying cheap retreads online like I do for my Jeep. Uh, because otherwise, to get a set of tires for my Jeep would be something like $1,500. Side note, is your Jeep still for sale? Um, technically, but it's not really officially for sale anymore. Because when I leased the vineyard I have now leased, which I don't, I think I told you. You did tell me. So it came, it comes with the use of the vineyard truck, which is a three-quarter ton old Ford that can tow 10,000 pounds. Okay. So when I need a truck or I need to tow something, I can use the vineyard truck that comes with my payments on this property. Versus buying a new truck all to yourself, which is what you were talking about one of the last times we hung out. Exactly. So I don't need to sell my Jeep, which gets better gas mileage than a three-quarter ton pickup does, and is smaller, more maneuverable, and a lot more fun off-road. And I had a hand in building, and I know every bolt on this freaking vehicle. I don't have to sell this anymore. I can use it as my daily driver and have the three-quarter ton pickup that I need 10 or 20 days a year. Side note, you and I need to take your Jeep off-road in Bloody Basin Road. Yes. And look at awesome ruins and petroglyphs. Yep. While much more sober. Today um, is not a big good not a good day. Also, indeed. it would take about an hour to get there, plus another hour on the road. Indeed. Anyway, digression. Uh, Sorry, guys, this truck is not for sale anymore. Unless you offer him enough. If you if you make the right offer, I will absolutely sell it, and I will daily drive the work truck for a few days until I pick up something else that I would enjoy driving as a daily. Um, really, all of my vehicles have always been for sale for the right offer, um, which is always less than you would expect. Uh, but side note re- pertaining to fun off-road trips, on Friday morning, I'm driving a friend of mine to the border of Arizona and Mexico to start her through hike of the Arizona Trail. Ooh. And I am all kinds of jealous I'm not going with because it's one of those trails I've wanted to do for years now. I I've remember, done sections of it. I remember one time where I was driving after work to pick you up. Yeah, I had, section on the Magellan Rim. I had to bail because of the weather, yeah. Uh, and you picked me up, and it was fantastic to not be stuck on that trail in shit weather. Yeah. The rim is a bitch when it comes to the weather Mm. certain times of the year. It just is. And that weather up there can change. I mean, I've seen it up there because the Mungian Rim is one of my favorite places, and yes, it is here in front of us, but the most grueling weather portion is down over by Pine and Strawberry and mm-hmm. Payson and Young. Because for some reason there, the weather is much more severe. I am toying with the idea of having this chick call me when she's a couple days out from hitting uh, Patagonia section. And I Ooh. might go hike that with her for a day or two. Provided I can get a shuttle there are no actual legit shuttles, but have someone shuttle me back to my vehicle after that said section. It was very, very tempting. 
tune into the next episode with me to find out if I actually did it or not. Sadly true. Probably the next time we get together and drink, it'll be like that. Mm-hmm. Now, the Patagonia section is only to... about 60 or 70 trail miles north of, the bar- north of the border where she starts. So, out of an 800-mile trail. Um, so, she'll be there knowing how much of a badass this chick is. She'll be there in a couple of days. Three, four at the tops. And then we'll hike through that section in a day. So it probably won't work. But hopefully it does. Because I have not been on a backpacking trip in far, far What day long. is this, roughly? I'm taking her to the start point on Friday morning. Yeah, there's no way in hell I can get down there in time. And I want to get to Sonoida and Elgin because, you know, come to think of it, um, Todd didn't give me a yes or no if you could pick up my stuff. I know Todd well enough. I'll make sure it happens. Because uh, it was in the email that I asked him if he and the founders of the AVA uh, wanted to do a podcast together. Mm-hmm. And apparently this is a go. Nice. So, hell yeah. That'll be a really fun podcast with Kent and Todd and Rob. Maybe Maynard. I'm I'm I don't care honestly one way or not if I'm with Maynard or not. I mean, that would be But I'm more interested in the ABA as a thing and the history behind it and what its goals are rather than who's in it. And I think that you know, the ABA has the potential to change the face of Arizona wine. I'm really, really interested in uh, talking to these guys. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that that's something that I think is going to be fantastic. Because I noticed that almost all of those wineries are coming out here for the Verde Valley Wine Festival in May. Mm-hmm. So, Which I will be at. Oh, fantastic! Immediately before I leave for my month-plus long road trip. That's why you're going back east. Yep. Which is really a terrible time to go back east uh, because the weather back east sucks that time of year. Not too much you're driving through the tornado alley at the tornado-iest time of the year. Which will be cool because I have a friend who's a storm chaser. chaser. She can give me tips. Uh, But also, it's a shit time in the vineyard to leave. But I hope to be caught up with everything and have everyone who's going to be around the vineyards at that time trained in how to check up on things for me and also hopefully have a buddy of mine who's local down south stop in once a week at my place and check on it and do what needs to be done and I'll pay him handsomely for that. But on that note, we should probably finish finish. Wow. Slow clap. Uh, that's what she said. Finish our tonics and gin, as Billy Joel says. What? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> finish tonics and gin. Making love to his tonics and gin. Making love to his tonics and gin is the actual song in there. Yep. I. I, for one, would not prefer to finish into my tonic and gin. I think that would be a little gross. But. Oh. Oh. Bad. Bad, Gary. It took you a lot longer to pick up on what I was saying than I expected it would. Hello, three cocktails. Three half-size cocktails. I made one true portion for both of us for each of these. Then I just don't have cocktails nearly enough, and this is a problem that needs to be fixed. Absolutely. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, not to mention we actually do need to uh, make another uh, Tom Collins, so that way I have a photo of a Tom Collins. Yep. Um, Which means that I will get to drink, or ultimately that both of us will get to drink another Tom Collins. Yay! Woohoo! Oh, darn. 
this is the Wine Monk. And I'm not. <laughs> Signing off. Uh, thank you again for joining another episode of Project Mayhem with Gary. Good night, Wine Monk. Good night. Ha, 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 ha.